I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for being here this week. I am thrilled to have a guest. Uh, it's the first time on the show we've actually had a goddess, and it's a very it's a very big deal to have a goddess on that. We've had professional boxers, we've had uh, politicians, we've had uh, the best and brightest from around the world, but never a goddess. And today we have a goddess, and it's following up last week. On the podcast, you heard me talk about how the Irish community really came together in a really unique way, creating a community when the community couldn't be in person. And while we know social media exists out there, while we know all of these relationships um, throughout social media, throughout Facebook, throughout Twitter, throughout Instagram, they all exist. We're now at a point where it's your obligation almost to, for, for lack of a better term, to create your own community. And, and what I drove home last week is that we used to be, uh, have a boundary for our community. It was, it was physically located and now you can build it beyond and it's very exciting. And so that's why Sam Kelly is here. She is the tweeting goddess and is a, uh, a legend in the Twitter world. This is very exciting. So with that, I want to introduce Sam Kelly. Sam, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I love the fact that you call me a legend in the Twitter space. It's so funny. Like, and I, you know, I just love the the goddess thing. Like, branding wise, it's been so powerful. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's lovely to be here. And um, I'm I'm thank you, thank you for asking me. I'm glad you're here. So, tell us a little bit about what makes you a goddess in the Twitter world, a legend in the Twitter world. Tell us what you do, why you're here, and all of that stuff. Okay, um, well, I started my business back in 2011, um, a different business altogether. And I barely had it. I didn't even have a Twitter account, actually. I barely had a Facebook page. And I knew that I needed to market that business. It was called Funky Goddess. So it was a gift box for girls when they came to that awkward milestone of a first period. So, yes, I said the word period on air. <laughs> so, you know, it was a bit of a taboo, but, you know, anyone that has daughters, they'll understand. Um, it is an awkward milestone and um, it was called Funky Goddess. And so I knew I needed to market it. I had no money. I had nothing. I just hit 40. Um, my other daughter, who, who's um, she's got a hearing impairment. She was going to start mainstream school. So I was kind of thinking, what am I going to do? Where, what am I going to do next? And um my dad had just passed away. So I think when someone passes away, you kind of start thinking, you know, life's too short. So I just said, ah, sure, I'll give it a go. <laughs> so I started this business called Funky Goddess. It was a gift box. But I knew I had to market. My sister built my website, Fair Play Twitter. She's so helpful. And then she said, you need to go on Twitter. I was like, what on earth is Twitter? I didn't even know what it was. So what I started doing was when the kids were in bed, I was a bit lonely and I just started going on the computer and going onto Twitter and I started looking for people like me. And really what I was doing was building relationships, but I didn't realize it. And um, so that continued. I parked the business, a client, a customer actually bought the business off me. And then someone approached me about, they said, you know, you're really good at this Twitter thing. 
you know, I had 5,000 followers at the time. And they were like, would you show us how to use it? Or would you run our account first? It was a hotel. And that was when I realized I had a business because I had something that people wanted and she was willing to pay for it. And so then Tweeting Goddess was born. So that's how Tweeting Goddess came about. I just changed the funky to tweeting. All right. Still a goddess, different form. Yeah. Very good. Um, You said a lot of things in there and we're going to cover all of them throughout this. And I want to cover kind of the balance between in-person relationships versus online relationships. And um, two years ago on the podcast, we had Pete Dunlap who wrote a book, The Digital Detangler. People get too uh, mentally impacted by their time online. And part of what drove you there was maybe a feeling of loneliness, like you said, so there is risk and doing it appropriately. And I think that's one of the great things that you can bring. So maybe we kick it off with that. Cause I think that's just the elephant in the room is how do we do this appropriately? Yeah. And there's risk in building relationships online, especially when you're in a vulnerable, lonely place. How do you, how do you balance that and find your people? Oh, well, I just found other people, other women in business, other people who had businesses that were like me that were starting out. And I just wanted to learn as much as possible, Jim. So I started following people I admired and started learning from them. Um, and that's how I started it. And then I, you can, it is possible to build relationships online. And many people didn't believe me. It wasn't until the pandemic. Like my, my whole business has exploded during the pandemic. And, um, you know, it's because people now are listening to what I've been saying for years, which is, Yes, you can build community online. Yes, you can build relationships. We're proof of it, Jim. We're sitting here doing a podcast and we haven't met in real life. You know, so it is possible to build really good, valuable relationships. And I started noticing as well with Twitter in particular, you know, you know, the way LinkedIn, you know, the way you might say, oh, I'd love to connect with that person. And you write a big introduction email and you, you know, you hope that they'll respond. On Twitter, you can just follow that person. And you can engage with them. And next thing, they'll follow you back. And next thing, you're sending them a direct message. And next thing, you're on a podcast. You know, so Twitter is a much easier way to find those decision makers and influencers because they're there. Trust me, I know. I have so many stories about high-level influencers who've actually messaged me on Twitter, uh, journalists that have contacted me and asked me, do I know such and such a person can talk about a certain topic so I have built this really powerful network of people around me and I don't realize actually how many people I actually know and I probably don't utilize those relationships enough but I just know that they're watching yeah. and they are definitely watching what's going on and I I think you probably hit the nail on the head when you say you know you have to follow people and engage yeah and you know I remember when I was starting my business creating the Twitter account. And then I deleted the Twitter account, started the Twitter account. And, you know, people follow you, but you're told you shouldn't follow them back because you're supposed to have a certain, you know, to get to a certain number. You you don't want to outnumber your followers versus people you're following. There are all this, there's all this misinformation. Yeah. But I guess all of it is just noise because what you have to do is you actually have to put in the work to engage with the people you want to engage with. And your community is already around when you're at home because you've got neighbors, you've got everything. So you're just set. But here you actually have to put yourself out and do the work to say, I wish to engage with you. Yeah. But even like, look, I'm surrounded by my neighbors. That doesn't mean I like them. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean I like my family. You know, I mean, you need to find your people. You need to find the right people. So I started by following people I admired. 
So even anyone listening to this podcast today, follow me, follow Jim. So straight away, you have two people in your network that you didn't have yesterday. You have two allies who will help you. Ask me, say, look, I'd love to connect with someone in eco environment or space or whatever. I know loads of people in the eco space that are on Twitter. I know loads of people that are in the business space. And I know who these people are because I've been on Twitter for, gosh, it's nearly, it's nearly 10, not 10 years. No, it's, but it's a good few years, eight years anyway, right? Um, I know who the right people are. I also know the people to avoid. I know the, the, the takers, the haters. Uh, I know the good people. I know the genuine, you know, and, and, and it's amazing. I, and I suppose there's a lot of technical stuff that people get wrapped up in and they go, oh, the algorithm and the this and the that, and I should send an automated. No, it's actually about people. It's like the world. And that's why the pandemic has actually increased my business so much is because people realize, do you know what? Nothing really matters at the end of the day. It's about Peter. Pe- <laughs> Peter? Who's Peter? About people. It's all about people and how you make that person feel. So um, like I see a lot of company, big corporate accounts and they're just putting out stuff like ads that we don't want that anymore. We, we've right. been sitting on our phones all year. We want experiences. We want to laugh. We want hope. We want compassion. And that's why the Sober St. Patrick's Day thing was such a huge success because people wanted to, they were missing Ireland and they wanted to experience some of that Irishness. They couldn't actually physically be there. So they wanted to get the buzz and even chatting online to other people that were, were the same as them. That, that makes someone feel part of something. And a lot of us have felt very, very isolated through this pandemic. And this is the gold. This is the magic. You know, it's, it's if you can make people feel part of something and feel special. That's it. That's all. That's the magic. Now, work and home are the same, right? We, and this has been the same yeah. for a while. We're working towards it. Yeah. From a small business perspective, someone like me, someone else, the authenticity aspect is very important rather yeah. than just ads. This is what I'm doing, buy my product, you know, all that stuff. That's a lot of effort for a small business individual to put forth to say, I need to engage on this, but I also need to provide for my clients. I also need to do all this other stuff. How do you find the time to engage? How much effort does this really work? And then how much is that uh, authenticity really a requirement? And can you find a balance between putting just ads out versus, versus yes, authentic engagement? you can. If I have a client, <clears throat> excuse me, if I run a Twitter account for a client, I do, let's say I was doing seven tweets a day. And that's what I recommend because there are different people on, different, on Twitter at different times. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if you have, uh, I put two of those tweets would be driving traffic or to a, a buy now or sign up now button. Just two. The others one would be useful information, knowledge sharing, adding value, maybe a little Twitter poll. Like there are so many things behind the scenes. That was a lovely video you did last week with the donut. Perfect. Excellent. And I bet that's the most engagement you ever got on Twitter. It was a and lot I of know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know this because I know what people want. There was the cuteness factor. There was the dad and his daughter. I mean, we love that, you know, we, and, 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 you know, um, it was making people smile, you know, and, and it's all about the time management thing. It's all about figuring out when your audience are online. Mm-hmm. Like I could put a tweet out now. What time is it? It's 10 to two. So it's 150, 150. So 
mm, I, I don't think I'll bother putting a tweet out now because it's not a great time for me to tweet. Whereas my audience are online between half past nine and 11 p.m. Okay, so I, you need to figure out when your audience are online. When are they active? What are they doing? Other small business owners are doing exactly what I'm doing at that time. You know, usually the kids have gone to bed. Uh, I'm watching TV and I'm just tweeting while I'm watching the TV or I'm just checking stuff and getting ready for next week. You know, I know because I'm also a business owner. So think about your audience, what they're doing. If there's a, a show on that's uh, aimed towards women, let's say, a chat show or something aimed at you know, that's when you're going to find some new people. Go and see who the other people are that are there. Get involved in the conversation and people will start following you if you add value. I'm starting to use Twitter spaces a lot now. And that's like a, a chat room in Twitter, which is new. It hasn't rolled out to everybody. Um, but I'm finding that very good for building relationships. Like my followers are flying up now because people are seeing that I add value. It's all about adding value. So if you can help, so when you're going to post a tweet or a post on LinkedIn as well, this applies to LinkedIn too, think, is this post or is this tweet going to add value to someone's day? Is it going to inspire them? Is it going to bring new knowledge? Is it going to start a conversation, a positive conversation, mind you? You know, I don't get involved in controversy. I stay away from all that. People think I have no opinion on anything. You know, I just keep it Which to is myself. a good way to be. I'm the same. It's, you know, no <laughs> politics, no religion. We're not going to talk about any of that stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. But always think before you tweet, why am I tweeting this? What is this going to do? Like even, even a sales tweet can be, can be non-salesy. You know, you can even do a tweet that's non-salesy. Like explain why, give five tips on how X, Y, and Z. And then when you're adding value, then have your call to action at the end, you know? The, um, the idea of it and, and communicating, which I work with a lot of my clients on just from a fundamental communication model, there's a sender of information and a receiver of information and the sender is required to put it into a way that receivers will digest it. And that's, that's a challenge in 140 characters. Yeah. You say, you know, how am I going, how are people going to receive that? Mm. But there's also the term, which we talked a little bit about before the show was, these people are followers of you. Mm. And I always struggle with, you know, if I have 500 followers or 5,000 followers or 100,000 followers, what, what does that word actually mean? And does that imply that if they're following you, are you a leader? And are you communicating in the most effective way to those people? Do you think, you know, focused on the positivity of online and, and filtering out the negativity and finding those people, what are some tips on how you can, the bad stuff's going to find its way in anyway, but how do you create that community with the guardrails so that you can build a follower list, but it's more of a community, not really followers, not following you, but uh, yeah. how, do you, how do you do that? Well, Twitter lists. I use Twitter lists. So I create lists of people that I want to engage. I have different lists, okay? I have lots of lists, but they're for different reasons. So I have a cool people list. Are you on my cool people I list? I certainly should be on your cool people list. Yeah, I must check. Cool people list, I'm going to be very disappointed. I must check. So there you go. So you you like the, the, the name of that cool people list. But guess what the cool people list actually is? The cool people list means these this person is on my cool people list because number one, I wanted them to see Samantha Kelly has just added you to her cool people list. And all of a sudden, Jim, you want to be on my cool people list. Well, actually, my cool people list is someone I might want to work with in the future, meet for coffee, 
perhaps build a relationship with so that in the I will meet in real life at some stage, either at a business meeting or they become a sponsor or something or they become a speaker. That's what my cool people list are kind of kind of leads to new relationships. So my cool people list. um, No, people like being on my cool people list, but actually what it is, is there are people I want to build solid relationships, working relationships with mostly. Okay. And I always say that to the marketers. I say, actually, this is my, you know, and then they are curious, then they want to learn more about lists. So it actually works for everybody. So I have some lists that are locked. So I have a media list. So I have a list of media journalists that I have built up over the years. I don't want someone else seeing that and seeing mm-hmm. my media list. If you go to my Twitter, if you're listening to this podcast and you go to my lists, you'll see all the lists that are not locked. I have a lot of lists there that are locked. But I would never call a list. I've never created Twitter list saying potential clients or leads. No, right, who right. wants to get on that? I don't want to get on that list. Do you? I mean, nobody wants to be called a potential customer. So call it something else. You know, I have one called inspiring, um, impressive females. And those impressive females are all women that I hope I can build relationships with so that maybe in the future they would join my Women's Inspire Network or else do a webinar or be a speaker at one of my events. So those impressive females are ones I want to watch that inspire me as well. So who doesn't want to get on an impressive females list? I mean, it's, it's actually helping me find good people too. So that's what I do. And then on LinkedIn, how I filter, you can actually, un, un, you can actually filter out the noise on LinkedIn as well. Um, you can actually go into, if you don't want to see certain posts, you can actually take them out of your timeline. But what I do is that what I did was I actually just went and created a community. So I created the Women's Inspire Network. I created the Twitter hashtag. It started as a Twitter chat. And then people wanted more. They went, oh, I really love this. Can we do a Facebook group? I did a Facebook group. There was 8,000 in the Facebook group. I was exhausted. And I, and I wasn't getting that, like, I wasn't getting paid for this. So I said, right, I'm going to have to be a businesswoman now. So I said, if I add value, would you pay 20 months to have a piece of me so people couldn't afford me to do one-to-ones and stuff with them and teach them. But if I gave them a piece of me and I added value with weekly webinars and online coffee and stuff, they were willing to pay 20 months. So I have 450 people in the network now uh, from all over the world. They're not even, because it's online and my network was always online. I can reach a global audience with my network. It doesn't say you have to be Irish or you, you can be anywhere in the world and be part of my network. And our, pri- our private Facebook group is so active and our events, we've even had people fly over from New York to be at one of our events in Dublin, you know, and it's just so powerful and it works so well because, but it's all down to, there, there are no, 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 no negativity. There's no negativity. Okay. I mean, the people that don't like me, who I actually wouldn't really like to have in the network anyway, they're not going to join my network because they don't like me. So it's great. So it eliminates that factor, you know, all of that uh, negativity and stuff. So it's just really powerful. Um, so that's, I created my own network. So if you want to create a network, create one, become the leader, become the driver, start doing virtual online coffee. Um, I did one with a client this morning. She said she wanted to reconnect with all her, her people in the industry which is one of the industries that has suffered badly this year, which wanted to see how they all were. And I said, well, do an online virtual coffee, invite them. And I think 20 people turned up and they all want to do it again next week. So what it's doing is it's showing her as a leader. No one else thought of doing it. So she's doing it now. It's great. Powerful. 
it's interesting because Women's Inspire Network, there are so many women's groups that exist already. Yeah. Why did you feel the need to create your own? What drove you to do that? And I mean, if everybody tries to build their own community, there's going to be no communities, right? And so how, well, maybe, or maybe there's just too many communities. I don't know. So what's the balance of finding your fit? And is it purely subjective? You know, so why did you build the Women's Inspire Network that wasn't really aligned with any of the others? And then how do you do that um, so that you can actually build your own community? Well, what I did was I went to other networking events and I didn't feel part, I didn't feel included. I was ignored. They didn't take me seriously. Um, I tried a few. And then also I had a daughter who had special requirements that I needed to go to appointments with and stuff. And I could, and I, and Dublin is two hours from me. And a lot of these events were in Dublin and I couldn't get to these. And some of them were 7am in the morning. I don't get those breakfast things at all because it eliminates, it eliminates a lot of people that have to do school runs. I know it's not relevant now, but you know, um, so I couldn't get to those events. So I said, right, I need to create an online network where I can get to the events, where I'm online, I can go and join an an event. And, you know, most people hadn't even heard of Zoom until the pandemic. I've been using these platforms for years. I don't even use Zoom. There are so many different platforms out there. There's Whereby, there's uh, Crowdcast, there's Restream, there's so many other ones. Um, And so I knew that I was ahead of the rest. I knew, and then when the pandemic hit, oh my God, our membership went up 28% because guess what? The other networks weren't meeting up anymore. They, were, they, were, they weren't doing anything to help their members. Their memberships were canceling. And the first thing I thought when the pandemic hit is, how do I stop my members canceling? That 20 a month could be, you know, used for food or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'll add more value. So what I did was I got these really big names who I knew were available now, by the way, because of the pandemic. And I got them on to do webinars. So I added more value, did more webinars, did more workshops. Now I, I'm exhausted and it really made me tired. But in the long run, it actually got me clients because people could see what I did. They could see how much I was helping. And, and the leaders were watching too. I mean, I even won an award this year because well, I came to Sorry, I, I keep saying I won it. I didn't. I was runner up in the influencer. I think you won it. I'm going to, <laughs> I, I demand a recount. In the Digital Influencer of the Year Award here in Ireland. And that was because of all the things I did during the pandemic, the campaigns that I did. So, you know, a lot of people do say that to me. Why, you know, and then someone else said, and I heard this, see, things get back to you as well, you know. In a board meeting, in a board meeting, my name was brought up and one man said, a man said, oh, it's so discriminatory. And, you know, and I'm like, isn't it funny how he picked a my network when there's loads of other networks? Like, why did he choose mine? You know, and I don't when I have events, I always have male speakers. I men are, are very welcome to join at any of our open webinars. But I, I wanted to create a, a safe space as well, because the demographic are age 35 to 55 in my network. The highest growing demographic are the over 55s, which is the same demographic on Twitter, by the way. And I know like there's, there's other issues like menopause and teenagers and you know, there's other stuff. like So I wanted to create a safe space that's not just about business, Jim. And I think now with the pandemic, people are actually realizing, do you know what? 
<laughs> people are human, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter how high up you are in business or whatever, or how successful. So I wanted to create a safe space where we could talk about other stuff too. So it's about support, but not necessarily just business support. We do other stuff like wellness and all kinds of things. I just knew there was a gap. I knew there was a gap that there was that sole trader who could afford 20 months was being ignored and being left behind. And I was that sole trader. And I could afford 20 a month. I couldn't afford 35 a month. I could afford 20 a month though. So I'm going for volume rather than the big fees of a hundred, whatever. Right. Which is, you know, it's, it's the, the scale model. Yeah. Um, and you said a lot of things in there of, you know, you, you had a situation where you knew it was requ a requirement as a business owner to network, but yeah. there was nothing that fit the way that you needed to live. And you knew that there were other people just yeah. like you. Exactly. So you just took it into your own hands and that's kind of building yeah. your crew is how you go about doing it. It's just saying, this is a challenge. What's my challenge today that's not working for me? Mm -hmm. What are the solutions out there and what solutions haven't worked? Can I create a solution that's going to do that? Yeah, um, yeah that's what I did. And it's, it's, the, the membership's gone up 28% during the pandemic. And the reason it works is because I keep adding value though. And I ask my audience, what do you need? How can I help? You know, how, like the amount of companies that don't ask their customers, how can I help? What do you need? You know, and um, you know, I think we've all look. Everybody, I think, has struggled in one way or another. I don't think there's anyone, unless you're you're a, a, a supplier of hand sanitizer. I don't think anyone has not has 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 done really well through the pandemic. You know, so you know, this is about looking after each other now. And trust me, when this is finished, people will remember who was there for them. So, in building your crew, so you got a little exhausted, a lot exhausted building this group. And that may sound intimidating to the small business owner who's already exhausted keeping all the pieces together for a one or two or three person shop. Mm -hmm. There's also the challenge of, you know what, I want to prioritize this because it's table stakes now to really have an online community. So you have to do it. Yeah. But there's a vulnerability aspect where you're basically coming in at the bottom Yeah. where you have to say, look, I've got a hundred followers. I want to get to a hundred thousand followers. And it literally starts with just finding five people following them and responding to their tweets. Yeah. What's the balance? Is it really that simple? How long does it take? How, where should it be prioritized? Is it as simple as just finding your one hour a day where you just, or 15 minutes a day or whatever? Yeah. Start at the start, start with the, with Jim and myself. Okay. And then we'll connect you with two other people. You know, it could be something as simple as one and useful introduction every day and um, start engaging with that person. Start, um, you know, even if you're on LinkedIn, you have a big following on LinkedIn, maybe put up on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm on Twitter. Who else is on Twitter? You know, start that way. Join a network, the IBO, the Women's Inspire Network. Join a network and start increasing your, your followers that way. But it's not about the followers. It's about the quality of the followers. It's about um, creating relationships, building relationships, but adding value yourself. Like they won't follow you unless you're, we're well, selfish. That's an interesting, we're so, yeah, we want to know what's in it for us. Why should I follow you? You know, 250 really engaged followers versus a hundred thousand not engaged followers. I have a feeling you'd say the 250 really engaged are more important. Yep. But for strangers to come to you and see you've only got 250 followers versus the hundred thousand, the hundred thousand, I feel like adds some level of legitimacy. So how do you balance 
and does it matter, right? For for a stranger coming in out of left field to say, all right, this person's got you know fifty thousand followers. I want to follow this person automatically. Fifty thousand people believe in it. Versus two hundred fifty people. This person's only got two hundred fifty people, but they're really engaged people. You don't know that they're really engaged people. Is that the wrong way to think about your social yeah. media platform? And what do you think about that? Yeah. And it's a big mistake people make. They think um, just because someone has 100,000 followers that they must be really great or they're famous or something. No, no. It's about, um, and actually that's something I've always done. So maybe I really do understand Twitter. I've actually always followed back someone who had 53 followers. If I like what they say in their bio, if I look at their past three tweets and they're adding value, I'm going to follow that person. So I've never had that kind of thing in my head anyway. I know a lot of people on Instagram, people think influencers are only on Instagram. They're not. Anyone can be an influencer in any platform if you have an engaged audience that listen to what you say and trust, know, like, and trust you. Um, so Jim, you, you, it doesn't matter. Like you can be an influencer, a huge influencer, if you are adding value and what you're saying and they're engaging with you. But I see it so many times. I see big corporates, big companies. I would love to get my hands in their account. Um, they might have um, 100,000 following them and they're only following 3,000 back. Why are they not following back these customers? These are potential customers that obviously love the topic they're talking about. Um, and yet they're not following them back. Um, you know, it's just bizarre. Um, but then like, again, a lot of people, like you say, there's a lot of mixed messages. I, I heard someone had told someone to just not follow anyone back at all. I was like, that's the worst advice ever. Mm-hmm. The worst advice ever, because if someone follows you, it means they, they're potentially interested in your product. They're potentially interested in you. I'm not going to follow you unless I feel there's something in it for me, whether it's you're going to make me laugh. You're going to entertain me. Uh, he, he's easy on the eye. She's easy on the eye. She's cool. Whatever it is. I'm not going to follow you um, unless I feel it's going to serve me in some way. I'm selfish. I'm human. You know, we're all selfish. Right. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's like when I go to a networking event and you might be dreadless, right? And you'd be saying, oh, do I have to go on this webinar now? Or do I have to go to this networking event? And then instead of thinking that way, if you think, how can I bring value to this event? How can I add something to this? So it's just switching the way you think. And um, yeah, the, the follower thing, uh, it's not about the follower. And I know I can say that because I have a lot of followers. But when I got verified, when you get that verified tick, I know people who have a verified tick and they only have 1,000 followers. It's not about the followers. It's about the value you bring to the community, the value that you bring to Twitter. That's what it's about. Now, what about the balance? Because I don't want to skip it. Um, it can be stressful living your world online. Right. And we hear about the negative impacts of social media, the negative impacts of all of this, Um, you know, being present. Everyone talks about being present with the people around you and it takes away from your family and all this other stuff. What advice recommendations do you have for people who may struggle with that? Because I could I could definitely see since we talked about you coming on the show, I've been trying to do a little bit more on Twitter, but it creeps. And, you know, I feel myself just reaching for the phone all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for people to, to balance that? Okay, well, look, I mean, it's, it's what I do. And I think since the pandemic, I'm definitely online more because I'm trying to discover more ways I can 
you know, get expand my network and stuff and help people as well and, and, and add value. Um, but when there's no pandemic, I have a kind of a routine. Um, I don't I don't do anything until my daughter's in school and normally I go for a walk before nine o'clock and then my day starts about half past nine. So I like the fact that my day starts at half past nine. And then what I do is I step away when she comes home from school. So the school run, I do nothing between four and half past nine, nine thirty. So I do nothing on Twitter. Um, if I'm waiting in a doctor's surgery or something like that, yes, I would go and I'd scroll through my phone and, you know, stuff like that. But no, um, if I'm on it, mostly I'm on it in the evening between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. Because I don't really watch TV anymore. And it's kind of like nearly my entertainment, you know. And, and on Friday night, which is tonight, you will see me playing a bit more playful on Twitter. And everybody knows that. I always say, oh, hey, it's Friday night, it's Twitter Twitter playtime, you know, so they know I'm not being my serious, you know, businesswoman. But then I'm never really serious business, you know. <laughs> no, I am serious when it comes to my clients and I am serious about my work. But I mean, I do like that mischievous part of me, that personality. I don't ever want to lose that. And that's what makes me stand out from the other Twitter experts. You either want to work with Samantha, who's fun and funny and, you know, a bit more laid back or you want to work with someone else and and people are going to either go for me or the other person you want to work with someone who has a cool person list <laughs> exactly that's what you exactly. want to work with you want to stand out but i wouldn't have me where i am today I, like i'm i'm actually i'm coming up to 13 years sober and i just want to emphasize this to anyone listening i got rid of something that was holding me back and that's why i am the person i am today and I have those nice qualities that people want, the kindness, the empathy, all those things. I wasn't always like that. So please, please, if you're listening, I trust me, I'm no angel, but I do love what I do. I do understand Twitter. I do understand people. And I understand um, how difficult it is to let go of something that was holding you back. And that could be a person. It could be a, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It could be a family member. It could be, you know, so... It could be something else. But for me, it was alcohol and that was holding me back. But once I got rid of the one thing that was holding me back, I, I was able to fly. And, and when you find your passion, so even if Twitter isn't your platform or LinkedIn, maybe Instagram is where you need to be. But it's where your audience are, where you find your people who you love to engage with, whatever platform you're comfortable with and you feel your audience are using, that's where you need to be. I love that. And I love what you've been talking about in terms of bringing value. It's like that ethical philosophy where you serve others to serve yourself. But if you flip it by making yourself the valuable person in the benefit for the benefit of others, yeah. um, finding that thing that's holding you back, your passion's not necessarily going to come first. Yeah. You have to eliminate the thing like mm -hmm. I did, right? Eliminate what's holding you back. And then all of a sudden your passion takes form. Um, and that's great great advice i know everybody's got something holding them back like so, everybody has just what was your thing Jim? what's that what was your thing oh i gave up booze like two years ago oh right okay so that i know you're all healthy and running and and you see you're inspiring people by the way i have to tell you a funny story there's a guy i connected you with him actually uh, brian kennedy and he's on Twitter and we were, he was always doing his running, you know, and I was like, oh, I wish I could do that. And he was actually making me think, I wonder, could I do that? And I was getting inspired by him. 
And then I put up a picture of my dad who had passed away. It was his anniversary or something. And I put up a picture of my dad and he went, is that Tommy Kelly? I said, yeah. And he goes, uh, we're cousins. Uh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I thought it was so funny. So there you go. We're second cousins. And wow. I just had no idea. And yet the two of us were already connecting with it. He was doing his running and he was inspiring me with the running. Isn't that amazing though? That's pretty So there good. are lovely stories. I have loads of lovely stories like that. That's incredible. I feel like that's such an Irish story too, because we've got cousins everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is helpful. And I know it's going to be helpful because I talk to a lot of, especially coaches who are, they call me a lot to say, you know, they're starting their business and everything. And the social media thing always comes up, but I know it's a big topic for all kinds. And so many people are starting their businesses now amid the pandemic. Yeah. And it's overwhelming to think of marketing and advertising and social media, as well as administrative work and getting clients. And um, there's so much to focus on. So I know this is going to be very, very helpful for all of them. What's next for you? How can we support you? How can people find you? Talk about all that. Okay. And uh, before I do, I just want to en encourage people to use, you can also use scheduling platforms. There are different types. So if you want to reach out to me, I can tell you which ones are the best, but there are different platforms you can use to manage. Your What's your favorite? <clears throat> um, my favorite at the moment, there's an Irish one called Feed Alpha, which is a husband and wife team. Okay. Um, and then there's Agora Pulse, which is uh, a, a based in Paris, but they're they're brilliant. They're in the UK and Ireland as well. Um, so Agora Pulse, it, it, there's so many. Content Cal is in the UK. There are so many that I love. Um, I don't really use them much. I would use them for my clients. Uh, but the Agora Pulse one gives you nice reports for your clients. So like, now, um, using a content calendar kind of goes against the engagement thing, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, it depends. If it's a client... Um, like I'd have generic kind of tweets that I would put out every now and then the same thing, which would be join my women's environment, you know, that kind of a tweet. Or, you know, I put out one of my blog posts, which is very popular, you know, 10 tips on how to increase your Twitter. You know, so those kind of things you can schedule, but you can't schedule being present and engaging with someone. You just can't schedule that. But it is important if you do schedule something that you check the notifications to see if anyone responded to it mm -hmm. and thank someone if they retweet so yeah, I just wanted to point that out though, because if they were struggling with time management, definitely I can have a chat and, 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 and if they DM me, I can tell them which ones I think are great. And it seems but, like that's a nice, easy way to alleviate some of the stress of tweeting all the time, where you could just exactly. take yeah. 30 minutes, queue up the next week or two weeks of just simple content, and then you could focus on engagement, which is a little bit less. Yes, exactly. And then do the engagement piece. So um just uh, if you want to contact me, it's at Tweeting Goddess on most platforms. Um, and if you uh, if you want to join the Women's Inspire Network, it's womensinspirenetwork.com. And yeah, and we have people from Canada, America, New Zealand, uh, Hong Kong, Ireland, Spain, UK. I mean, it's anywhere I've spoken, really. <laughs> I just pick them up as I go. Like, <laughs> But that's that's what it comes down to the person, though. They're not necessarily join, joining the Women's Inspire Network for the Women's Inspire Network. They're joining because of the leader. They're joining because of the... And it's funny, I just call myself a leader there because I didn't for years. But now I'm actually finally recognizing that I am a leader in my space. So that's a big win for me this week. So thank you, Jim. Hey, look at this. <laughs> Breakthrough is very good. Right. <laughs> uh, final question. Yes. 
I'm going to put all the plugs and everything on the, on bellwetherhub.com. You'll find the links to your Twitter and, and women's inspire network and everything. Thank you. I always ask everybody, every guest to recommend a book because I'm a big reader. And, uh, I imagine you are just a very big reader on Twitter. I'm not. I'm a big, big reader of Twitter and of uh, podcasts and webinars. But there is one, Overcoming, it's called, by Vicky Phelan. And she, I don't know if you know, do you know Vicky? Jim? I don't. She's in America at the moment getting treatment. She, um, she was part of the cervical check scandal. She's the person that exposed the cervical check scandal thing. And she's a big heroine here in Ireland because she exposed it. But Vicky Phelan, do check her out. V-I-C-K-Y Phelan. When I read her book, I went, oh my God, do you know what? Um, you know, I'm so grateful. Like we, 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 to be healthy folks. And I know everyone says you're healthy, you're well, and all that. But when you read that book, especially when it was something that was so unfair that shouldn't have happened, um, do check her out. Google Vicky Phelan. She's amazing. Um, P-H-E-L-A-N. And then there's also my little book of Twitter magic, of course. There you go. Yeah, on Amazon. But yeah, that's the, the last book I read that I just thought of there that actually did make me feel, you know what? We, life is really too short. We need to kind of look out for each other, you know? Yeah. And build your community. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, Sam, the tweeting goddess. I could check that off. Uh, I could say that I've had a goddess on the, on the show. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here. Um, everyone follow tweeting goddess on Twitter, women's inspire network. I'll put everything on bellwether hub, get her book. And this has been brilliant. So thank you, Sam, for being here. And I look forward to seeing so much more from you in the, in the social media world. Thank you. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. I appreciate it more on bellwetherhub.com. Check up. We've got, this is episode 74 of the podcast. So we're going to continue doing more. And as always, thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Bellwether.